0: In a good mood today, uh, despite the weather out in Los Angeles and everybody's freaking out. It's been raining nonstop. I didn't really know what to expect. I asked somebody. I said, "Is this kind of how it works here? Is this your winter?" And they were like, "No, this is the most rain." I think it was out to dinner with a couple guys, big time Hollywood types, and uh, they're like, "This is the worst it's been in 18 years." Or so. I don't even know if that's true. Some someone will fact check it. Tell me that the precipitation numbers from 04 were a lot high. All I'm telling you is that I, I would. The first six months I was here, it never rained. It rained twice now it's rained every single day i don't care i'm getting a ton of work done um and yes it's good the state needs the water but then again i understand because of the malibu and thousand oaks and the fires out not there that, that it isn't ideal so there is your california update Sarudi, so how are you
1: good uh i think we're about to get dumped with a foot of snow here in the northeast so yeah you know, good you know good for you for being out there i was actually thinking though so yeah if it's been super nice the entire time you've been there like how do you get work done
0: I just do it. I mean, there's days where you go, okay, this is what I'm doing. When I was living at Carissa's house in Malibu, I, I wrote, I think, two scripts while I lived there. So I didn't, I went out, I think, one night in two months. So when I first got to town, people were like, oh man, you must be, you must be loving it. Like, you're going out a lot. You don't have to work that much. And, I was like, not really, you know, because once you're up in Malibu, you're just up there. That's that's your thing. But you know what? I'm in a good mood today. There's a bunch of different reasons why I'm in a good mood. I have a ton of things I want to get to. Brian Windhorst, I can see him right now at 710 Studios. He's scheduled to come over. I can do my halfway NBA awards. It feels a little cliche, but almost necessary. I'm going to the Clippers, Golden State Warriors tomorrow night. I have a little on the Zion Williamson thing because Spain and Fitz, Spain and Fitz radio show, ESPN Radio. Six Eastern, uh, Fitz had me on. He was riding solo and asked me his question about Zion Williamson. I heard it. I we played was... a bite on Will's show too. It was good. My answer was good. His question was not. uh Oh. Yeah, I love Fitz, but and I really do mean that. He's a really hell of a guy. Um, unless he's the biggest phony ever and is really nice, and then in three years he's going to be super difficult. Being like, do you guys not remember that yeah. I'm the Fiddle God? <laughs> if Fitz wasn't a good dude, that would be the shocker of the century. Yeah, if Fitz was secretly the worst, that would be really funny. I'd almost, I almost root for it in a way. You know, that everybody, people are nice in the beginning, but, you know, so there's also maybe a Trevor Lawrence, there's there's a bunch of stuff, and then Kyrie talked, but before we do any of that, and I know I'll probably end up doing only half of it, have you ever dreamed that you, mur- or I should say it this way, have you ever dreamt that you murdered somebody?
1: Yes. Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Tell me about it.
1: Um. <sighs> I mean I think it was a but it was a while ago. I think it was like you know a drunk night in college. It was a buddy and I actually woke up like kind of nervous about it because it was one of those ones yeah. that was like, too real. I don't too really real. remember the details of why but it was like I murdered a friend of mine.
0: You killed your friend. Yeah.
1: May or may not be over <laughs> a game of Madden.
0: You murdered your friend in your dream probably because of an outcome in Madden.
1: Yeah, but I don't remember like like the, I don't remember how or why. I just remember like the feeling of waking up and being like okay that was not real thank god.
0: It's crazy when that stuff happens, because it happened to me last night, and it was really real. And, you know, I don't sleep as much as I should. Everybody that knows me knows this. Um I wish I slept more. I just don't. My brain never turns off. And I... No big deal. Yeah. No, and I don't mean it as like I'm so smart. <laughs> I mean it as like it's freaking maddening, especially for somebody who's by themselves so much. But, uh... I I killed two people, but it wasn't like I didn't actually murder them in the dream. But it was very clear I had killed two people. Apparently, I was in South America and I just had murdered a couple dudes, independent of each other. So I was just I don't know. I went down there. I don't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, um, wait. It was two separate murders. It wasn't like yeah, a double. Two kind of thing? separate murders. Like I'd murdered two different people, and then. I was down there, and then I got shot in the dream. And I have a buddy named Mark from Colorado who already has turned this podcast off because he just – if there's one thing he hates, he hates the Russians. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know how it feels about Russians. But in the 80s, you could say you hate – I guess you could say you hate the Russians again now. I don't think anybody ever starts getting into, like, discriminatory things when anybody says they hate the Russians. But Mark, more than anything, Mark from Colorado, hates when people talk about their dreams. He hates it. I probably don't care about anybody else's dreams. But it's just so weird when you kill someone in a dream. And I had two bodies on me, separate. And I, you know, I don't want to say anything about South America, but Google some stats. It's it's not, you know. When I told a buddy of mine, I was like, I'd like to check out Venezuela. They're like, Would you? Um, yeah, even I know that's a terrible idea. Yeah, right. Because when I was in Aruba once, they were we found some sort of charter thing that was like, Oh no, I head over to Colombia. And I think it was, I was like, oh, I really want to try Venezuela. And they're like, no, no, you don't. They're like, don't do that. I don't know, man. I've seen some stuff on Instagram where Venezuela looks awesome, but uh, I don't think you can just get off the plane and be like, I'm here for the Instagram hotties. Um, yeah. So I woke up and I'm like, how am I going to explain this to ESPN? I'm like, eventually this is going to catch up to me that I killed these two people. Right. It's got to catch up to me. And then, you know, the dust comes out of the eyes and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not a murderer. I don't even have to worry about this So you, the rest of the day It's been It's been high flying man Are you writing a show In which someone gets murdered Like Cause
1: obviously like You know Dreams are basically things You've been thinking about Right And they just like Manifest in, in your dreams But So like Is there some sort of Murder plot In a, in a show you're writing Um Does it take place no, it's, In South America
0: No, yeah, right. No, I have, I have this. Yeah, I actually am working on a pilot where this guy's really lonely and he checks out a bunch of smoke shows from Venezuela on Instagram and then he flies down there and then because he doesn't fit in and he gets hammered and then he starts murdering dudes left and right and then rents a motorcycle. Yeah, that's actually, that was the whole. I'd I'd watch that, honestly. I can imagine somebody DMing me right now going, how much do you want for that show? No, I don't have anything that's like a murder, murder show. there are deaths in some of the shows. I actually am very close to having a big announcement on one of the scripted projects, but I don't know if I want to do the Instagram fake life update where I could give you a nice kind of like thing that's going to sound really cool. And it's going to sound cool, but it's going to be a hell of a lot cooler if I wait until the second part of it. So I think what I just did is decide mid-sentence that I'm not going to share that I could have something really cool coming here. So there you go. I will say, too, a buddy of mine, uh, we were playing some
1: FIFA last night, he said he would yep. be 100% interested in your self-help book that we talked about last week.
0: A lot of people are into the self-help thing. There is – um my agent did call me and was like, do you want to try to do this? But the problem is, is when all you do is write in your spare time, like I'm either watching hoops or I'm writing. And although I do go to the beach and try to take a little break and read, uh, I do highly suggest reading – or Ron Chernow book start to finish. It takes a very long time. Uh, but it is worth it. It's very gratifying. I always wanted to do it. Now that I finally done it, I feel like I'm better than you. Um, not you, Sarudi, but just in general. Uh, <laughs> I guess wow. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't, that came off. I, I was, just. I hope people realize that I'm making fun of that. Then I laughed at my own joke. Um, it's really hard to be like, Hey, in, in my other free time now, now I'm gonna keep writing. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I gotta put down a chapter and then we'll take it from there. But yeah, uh, the good folks over at ICM did call about that. So, that's uh, that's where we're at right now. There was a, there was a little bit of an update. What should we start with? Should we break down the Kyrie thing? Do you wanna put that sound in there? Yeah. Okay. So here's Kyrie talking about calling LeBron after the Celtics pull off the win against the Raptors. You know, I apologize for <laughs> being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his
1: fingertips, and I wanted everything to uh, be at you know my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to the championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that, and you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading a team is something that's not meant for many people. And Brown was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to show us what it's like to win a championship. And it was hard for him sometimes getting the most out of the group. It's not the easy, easiest thing in the world, and um, like I said, only few are, are meant for it or chosen for it. And you know, I feel like the best person to call was him because you know he's been in this situation.
0: So let me uh, let me kick this one to you first. Did you guys talk about this on the Will Cain show today? Yeah, we did a little on it. This thing has gone from zero to a hundred real quick. Where now he's going to want to play with LeBron and the Lakers. That yeah. seems a tad excessive. That, that seems getting ahead of ourselves here. What did you think of it?
1: I think that specifically the LeBron Lakers part of it. I think LeBron would have to be so desperate to take Kyrie back. Uh, so I just, I mean, maybe that eventually happens if he strikes out with every other free agent, but I, I just can't see that coming. And to me, this whole Kyrie thing, I, I think Kyrie, how do I say this without? I'm not even trying to take a shot at him because everybody goes through this, you know, phase in their life where they discover themselves and they, you know, they're reading new things and, like, you don't really know who you are. And he's still pretty young. And I'm, I 100% Yeah, understand. usually it's
0: about 10 or 15 years after this age, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> so I just feel like he says things that he thinks he's supposed to say. Like, he thinks he's supposed to be this mature intellectual guy. So. Whenever he does things like this or talks about, like, different theories he knows or, like, talks about, like, calling LeBron, I think he thinks he should be
0: doing these things. So they come off as kind of fake
1: to me. That's That that was my first impression of it.
0: Yeah, I think Sam Mangundi nailed it after the fact. This wasn't about, hey, I called LeBron. This was about, hey, I was young and annoying to LeBron, which is true. But it also can be incredibly annoying to be around that LeBron bubble, okay, you know, so this is always one of those things, I feel like some of this LeBron stuff becomes, like, pro-life, pro-choice, where you have to, like, as a sports guy go, oh, I'm pro-choice, you know, or, like, I'm I'm this, like, where are you on LeBron, oh, I'm this, well, no, sometimes, like, you can't really be in between on pro-life, pro-choice, but what you can be is in between on when it's something far less serious, like how you feel about an athlete's legacy, and, you know, when Kyrie had said, oh, I don't want LeBron here, we don't need him, it's like, bro, shut up. Give me a break. And then he gets there, and then when he asked out, I initially was like, oh, man, Kyrie's the worst. But then, you know, I don't know why people resist this because Windhorse has talked about it. David Griffin has talked about it. I've talked about it. And that Kyrie found out, wait a minute, you, you had me traded out of here? Like, peace. I'm going to go do my own thing. And I I don't know if people like this or not, so you tell me, Saruti, if it's off base. But I do think there are... You know, because it's my life, I know myself better than any other person I talk about. I know how I felt in the Scott and Ryan dynamic. Like I know what that was like, and there are kind of even though one's far more impressive and difficult and cooler than two guys doing a radio show. But when I first did the show with Scott, nobody else wanted me to be his partner. Management didn't want me to be the guy. Uh they wanted to be Eric Casilius was somebody that they really wanted to be the host. Uh it was Stephen A at times. I think they even tried to go like Herb Street or Fowler. And, you know, of course they didn't want me because, uh, you know, at that time I was uh in management size and nobody. And they're like, we're going to do this. And that's why they didn't put my name on the show because they didn't want, they felt like that would actually hurt the show with sales, which I always thought was short term. But many program decisions, especially radio, are very short term decisions. And, you know, ultimately like my argument was like, yeah, but if you just put my name on the show now, like in four years, it's not going to be weird. Like we can build this thing. And it was like, no. So. Um, I'll give Amanda Brown, who was our first producer, who's actually out here at 710 ESPN. Now, she wanted me on it. Scott, And ultimately, Scott wanted me on it. Scott's like, look, you guys can vote for everybody else and have the vote. The only vote that really matters is the guy that's going to do it every day. And if you want me to do it with somebody I don't want to do it with, then guess what? I don't have to do it. I can just stay on SportsCenter, and that's going to go pretty well, too. So they gave in to Scott, and I had to have like meetings with the principal and sell myself after I'd been at the company for three-plus years already. And if you're Scott, you will always kind of look at me as like, yeah, if it wasn't for me, Ryan wouldn't have made it or wouldn't be what he is today. And that might be a 100% true. Okay. And I'm sure people listening to me like, what do you mean might be? It's a 100% true. And if Scott believes that, who's going to tell Scott that he's wrong? And there were times, you know, where Scott would remind me of that. I look at it as... I think I'm good at what I do. And if it wasn't going to be that, it would have been something else. And eventually I would have been successful. And I think that's true. I think both are true. Scott helped me. And I also believe in myself. And so not to say Scott is LeBron and I'm Kyrie, but there are some similarities of the dynamic of one person feeling like they're in charge of the other person or one person feeling like the other person sort of owes it to that person. And for Kyrie, He's like, dude, I'm nasty, okay? I can go do my own thing, and I want my own team, especially after I feel like you may have shipped me out of here for somebody else, but the deal fell through. And LeBron and his crew are like, look, your signature shoe with Nike, that's because of us, dude. That's because of us. Your ascension to the next tier, wherever you were at, as the non-defensive, high-volume score that was going to be the leader on awful teams. Well, have fun with that. Have fun getting 25 a game, winning 30. Well, now with us, you hit the shot against the Warriors in one of the greatest comebacks ever, considering who the Warriors were that year. And now you're just, you're forever, your legacy, like there's a floor you can't go below now because of what we did together. So yeah, you're nasty. Yeah, you're all these things. But at the end of the day, like you're so, you're who you are. It has a lot more to do with me. So that's why that Kyrie LeBron thing is interesting, because I don't even know how much Kyrie really believes Like, I don't, I don't, it's weird because like Kyrie, you know, there's this thing about leadership and that the worst, worst than not wanting to be a leader is somebody who wants to be a leader that doesn't have leadership skills. So if you don't have them, and I don't know if Kyrie has them, and I'll admit like as nasty as he is, I don't know if he's that guy that really is, and it's not saying the right things. It's not doing the right things with the cameras around. It's like, do people actually buy into you? Do you inspire others? in whatever way you need to do it, or do you just rehearse the right things to say? I think the Duke guys, some of the Duke, I don't know what the hell they do down there, but sometimes the Duke guys say stuff and you're like, is this what you think or is this what you think sounds cool? So I'm still kind of undecided on the whole thing because part of it feels like, and for those that want that storyline, they're like, oh, that's really, it shows maturity, it shows growth, it shows all these, maybe... Or maybe it's just him being like, hey, this is a really clever way of me making it sound yeah. like I'm, I'm cool LeBron, but what I'm really doing is telling these younger dudes to step it up. When those younger dudes are like, hey dude, while you were injured, we're a couple buckets away from playing in the NBA finals without you. So, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? Like I'm open for almost any opinion on Kyrie and I don't know that I would tell anybody that they're wrong other than this, hey, he's going to be in a Lakers uniform this summer, which I think is far too soon because of one comment.
1: Yeah, I heard uh, Gold Junior actually say this this morning. Like, if you want to be a leader and you're and you're maturing as a leader, then you don't talk about being a leader. You just lead. <laughs> like, you just do it, uh, or you know, you you talk to your teammates. You don't talk about it in the media. Um, going back to the the point you made about like Scott and that in the beginning, I mean. You know, I get why Kyrie would be like, man, like I'm. You know, everybody wants to prove themselves and say I'm just as good. I could be, I could be the, the the best player on a championship team. I don't need LeBron, and I'm sure that gets tiring after a while for sure. But he did have a few years, and granted, they were his first few years in the league that were like, you know, wins and losses wise were were as bad as it gets. So I don't know. Like I get, I get being cocky, and I get wanting to do your own thing. And and I also get like looking in retros- retrospect and being like, yeah, that was kind of I was kind of being a you know I was I was being a tool a few years ago. I'm sorry. I just I just feel like nothing he says comes off as genuine.
0: Yeah, I don't. I respect him the player. I'm undecided, leaning towards pretty over it with the uh, commentary, which is maybe a no win situation for him. But I really I do think he wants to be somebody that's perceived as this massive intellectual and um. You know, you're like, all right, dude. You know, it just, it's hard. It's hard when you're young, by the way, too, to be convincing that way. Even though he's been in the league a long time. I mean, we're still talking about a really young guy. And as I get older, I start to go like, do I really want to be that dude that's giving a younger guy a hard time all the time? But there, there's, I guess I can never get over that first take thing when he said, when you were very much woke. And I was like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Like, did you actually think that sounded good? And by the way, I don't think I ever had a 30-win season without Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I will tell you that there are moments where Scott would have been like, all right, Rosillo, we got it. Like, take it easy. And he was right, but I was just going, all right, so this is, this is how we're going to start this thing. Like I'm, I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to be great. And that was never towards Scott. It was always towards, you know, people that doubted me. And, uh, I don't know. I actually do think that one works. And, you know, whenever I can relate it to something I understand as well as the dynamic of working with maybe the biggest star at ESPN and Scott, And the challenges I had and the things I was right or wrong about, uh, that one actually makes, makes a lot of sense. But this it's, it's always predictable though. like, don't you think now, and maybe more than ever is that, and I've said, married to your takes before, but like, I already know who the pro Kyrie people are going to be. And I know who the anti Kyrie people are going to be like, no one surprises me anymore. No one, no one does. No one, no one that says like, Oh, you know, Kyrie's a great leader. Like I could already write that I could write it down the night before and be like, here are the list of people that are gonna go on TV tomorrow to say like how great Kyrie is and that this is showing leadership and this is all these different things. Maybe it maybe it does. Or maybe maybe Tatum and Jalen Brown are like, whatever, dude. Like we don't we don't need I think the bigger issue too is with the price tag of what Kyrie's gonna be and the knee injury stuff and how weird it's worked. There are people around the league that go, oh you know, they're struggling only because of Kyrie, which I think is totally unfair they're struggling because they're still searching for what they want to do with a closing group that doesn't include Gordon Hayward yet. Every national broadcast keeps talking about how great Gordon Hayward is and they're wrong. Um, the Marcus smart thing is working on paper, but it's really probably more because Marcus Morris starts and it was a really nice win against Toronto. And really they won because Kyrie. So (laughs) I don't, I don't know what you do, but it's it's been kind of out of Boston at least, very confident, gonna re sign him, don't worry about it. And then sometimes I go, What if he's actually the guy that you don't want to invest all that money in? Not only because of personality, but also because of knee injury, but then you start doing the thing that I always do is go, you can't wait around for the perfect fit superstar. You have to try to make the move when you could, and that's why Boston did what they did and you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge him. And I'm probably not going to begrudge him for going ahead and giving him all the money because it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? What's the other plan? Who's the other top? You know, we're not talking top ten player, but top five scorer. I mean, who's that other guy that you're going to go get when it comes down to big time playoff games that can go get you a bucket when everything else falls apart? I don't think there's four guys that are ahead of Kyrie, or the, there's not five guys that are ahead of Kyrie right now in the league. So, there you go. You want to do uh, mid season stuff here or what? Let's do it. Anything else you want to add to that? Suri? No, I'm
1: feel, I, I,
0: I think you and I are an agreement. Problem is, you and
1: I agree on this, and maybe we're part of the group that wasn't going to change their mind about Kyrie, which I, I thought about as you were
0: saying that. But yeah, maybe we're just as guilty as everything that I'm saying. Like I'm just as I've pointed out numerous times, I'm I'm all set with the guy or girl that does what we do, that is always a hundred percent behind the player all the time, and. I don't, I don't really get that. I don't think it's really about what the individual says or what the individual is doing or not doing. I think it's always about like this sort of management, non-management thing. Like I will always take the side of non-management. So therefore, when a player says something that may be perceived dumb as the public puts it out there, I'm not even talking about Kyrie necessarily on this point, but just the player can do no wrong in some media members' eyes when like Antonio Brown's a perfect example. Like if you're still pro Antonio Brown, if you're a Steelers fan and you love him and you want him on your team, good for you. I would want the same thing because he's he's nasty. But if you're telling me like the team has done him wrong and that he's not a selfish guy, like we're not gonna get a summer house together. MVP, what do you think I'm gonna do?
1: For me it's like is it the recency bias thing or is it is it Giannis?
0: I have Giannis third.
1: Wow. Okay. I have him one.
0: <laughs> That's all right. I I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. If we were if we were on first take I'd say that's cool. You I can't even fight here. with you right now. It's a segment. No, it wouldn't be. First take would be like, you guys aren't arguing about this? Not doing it. Um, which actually would be bad TV to be like, Hey, we're going to come on and, in 12 seconds. Russillo and Suri are going to disagree about Giannis and Russillo is going to say, Hey, that's cool, man.
1: <laughs> I respect your opinion. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> Brady or LeBron, greater legacy. Go. I got to put hard in one. I don't, um, you know what I don't want to do is I don't want to do the thing because there are I don't really know what else to do. I mean, everybody knows my position on the Harden thing. I cannot believe he's officiated this way. Whether it's the traveling, whether it's the initiating the contract the contact, or the the fact that he's allowed to just flick guys off of him now. Joe Harris getting knocked over backwards, and then of course SportsCenter's Twitter feed tweets at every single one because I don't I don't get it. Like I don't know who's running that feed, but Harden shoves a defender to the ground, and we're like, oh my god, Harden putting him in the blender and it's an offensive foul every single time but you know what else is going on is Chris Paul has been hurt this whole time Capella is now going to miss a bunch of time Eric Gordon just came back and his range Eric Gordon may go down as as current players as far as like acceptable pull-up range like he might be in that group of dudes and I would say Harden and Curry are the only guys that consistently can take this many shots and do this. So yes, it's well documented. There are things about Harden that I feel like should sort of equalize what he is. And, you know, when people start saying he may be the best offensive player of all time, there's a couple of things you have to remember here. The pace now is beyond anything we've seen in a long time. Now, if you want to go back to the Will and Oscar Roberts days, the pace there, the number of shots, rebound opportunities, that's why Westbrook's triple double is more impressive than Oscar Robertson's. It is. But when the seven seconds or less sons would be in the bottom of the league in pace now and everybody's taking threes. I mean, Harden's taken 13 threes a game and his three point shooting percentage is actually like up, I think for the highest in four years. And he's taken 23 shots a game and he's at like 40% usage rate and he has like the highest percentage of dribbles. I mean, I don't know how you would track. I guess they could track it somewhere where how often a ball is in a player's hand? I I can't even imagine the gap between Harden and then the next guy. And Westbrook had an absurd usage rate in his triple-double season that was like 42, 43. And I think D'Angelo Russell was right there. Um, I think Russell has one that was like 36 or 37, which is just stupid. But... Harden is at 40, which is still a little bit low, that Westbrook thing, but it's a lot like that thing I talked about, is that we're having these individual seasons of greatness statistically because we've never had – and I'm not even talking about the Jordan days. The Kobe touched on it a few times with some of those Lakers teams, but it is – So singular, the one person that dominates the ball in ways that we just don't see that often, but it's all happening at the same time. Westbrook seasons, not so much now. Harden currently right now, especially with the injuries. The Isaiah Thomas Celtics season, that guy loves to tweet. So there's there's a greatness of Harden, which is true. His shot-making, I put he and Curry in that group together. His handle, if it's not Kyrie or Steph's, maybe it's better than Steph's, maybe it's just below Kyrie's. I mean, that's going to be who you're buying jerseys of, whoever you're going to argue for that one, so I'm not interested in that deal. So it is great, but I feel like whatever governor there should have been on this by the league, the league hasn't figured out how to officiate him, and he's allowed to do a ton of different things. So even having said all those things... I still think you have to give him the MVP halfway through the season, which is saying something because I've looked at, you know, this historically and have said this numerous times, even go back to the radio show is that like Steph, after blowing the 3-1 lead and being unanimous MVP, which is always this stupid thing that people try to hold against him because other morons voted wrong with previous MVPs that I didn't think he was ever going to win one again and they'd hold it against him. And I thought with Harden's awful playoff exits in missing a million shots in a row in the Western Conference Finals, the end of that Spurs series which was a joke. He was just bad. Um I didn't think he'd ever win the MVP again after finally getting one that maybe some other voters felt like he should have gotten before. And now he might get it. So I have Harden one, I have Anthony Davis second. He is 19th wow. in usage. All right, Anthony Davis is number one in some of the metrics ahead of Harden. But Davis the rebounding numbers are up. Like he's jumped up three rebounds. The assist numbers have almost doubled. The scoring is through the roof. The efficiency is insane. And yet he's still, he's behind 18 other players in usage. That's criminal. And even watching them, they fought with the Warriors. That was a tough game for Golden State. And then they stepped him in the third quarter. And Steph started doing that little thing where you're like, hey, is it not as fun anymore? Is it not as cool? Like, is Steph – is there something – like, oh, no, wait a minute. It's just not as new where Steph changed the way we looked at outside shooting. And he still can do it, and he did it in the third quarter. But to not get Davis touches to at least allow him to pass off of help is stupid. Like, they they should be – he should have a top-10 usage rate. But I know because he's a big and he's not a perimeter player, that's not always going to happen, but he has those perimeter skills. And I have Giannis third, which I – I know, as I say that out loud, feels stupid, but um, I know that I should have Giannis probably higher because his team is better than the Pelicans. But you know, I'm going east-west. You know, look if you, if you listen to this right now, going that's so stupid. You got to have Giannis at least second, you know, if not first. That's fine. Once I saw that usage thing with Anthony Davis, I went, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm putting him there, and the numbers are even better. And he actually may be the best player in the world right now, and they're going to have to trade him, which is the worst. Yeah, I mean. Giannis for
1: me, like his, you probably have the numbers. I don't have on top of my head, but like his efficiency numbers, like around the rim, are just absurd. Like the guy still doesn't really have that much of an outside shot, and he's dominating games, which is awesome. And there, I think I believe like he has him as a top five offensive and defensive team. I think they're the only team in the league that's that. So I don't know. I I, I thought you were going to maybe say Kawhi. I don't know. I, I was surprised by the Anthony Davis one, but I mean, obviously his stats are always going to be super impressive. I just it's you know he it is sort of tied to like a team award, right? If your team is, and you know, and his team hasn't been as good, period. So maybe I'm being, maybe that's not fair that I'm knocking him for that, but that's kind of why I wouldn't have Andy Davis on that radar.
0: Yeah, the Kawhi thing, um you know, before the season started and I went on with Simmons and we started looking at odds on all the MVP guys, I was like, there's a ton of value there for Kawhi. Like, that should be higher. And who knows, maybe it's going to work out with them. I mean, as it stands now, the Pelicans are actually three and a half games out of the playoffs. So, yeah, I get most people are going to listen to this and be like, that's really stupid. But if we're talking about – and he would never win it. He would never win it. The team has to be in the playoffs. And Houston's found a way to push this thing forward here. But, you know, whenever I look at, like, you know, in Haberstrow, not to not get upset with my boy Tom, he must think I hate his guts because I don't think I ever bring it up where I'm like, hey, I really loved what he said. But, you know, as soon as LeBron got hurt, he, he showed the increase in pace, that this is the highest pace. And it's like, oh, so it's pace and it's minutes and all these things? Because what about the part where he doesn't play defense? You know? What about that part? And if you're looking at Harden, people are like, oh, I'm really worried he's going to break down. Like when they lost to San Antonio and then, you know, to a lesser degree, it was more when they lost to San Antonio. It's like, ah, he he got tired. You know, thank God. God bless Van Gundy for going like this whole you got tired and that's why you lost thing. Like this is the part where access to information has made us worse. And whenever you tweet out anything about a team losing, immediately the, the fan base goes up back to back. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize no one's ever won a back to back before. Thank you for pointing that out, and whenever any of these guys lose now or they get hurt, it has to be because of all the stuff they're doing. If you watch Harden off the ball, he's not – don't worry about his pace, man. Don't worry about his shot attempts. Don't worry about the burden of this offense because he is finding ways to nap on the other end, and he has his whole career, and he will continue to do so, and Mark Jackson will come on and say that it's all overrated and all these different things. Just do yourself a favor. Watch him for five minutes off of the ball. He'll be fine. He shouldn't be tired. And you know what? I should get killed for putting Anthony Davis second. I really should. The Bucks are the 1 seed. I'm going to change it back. I got to put him third. You're right. I got to put him third. I had Giannis second and I changed it because of Davis usage rate. But you know what? Usage rate shouldn't trump being the 10th seed in the West. Or excuse me. 10th <laughs> would be sweet. The 12th seed. So I'm I just did that midstream Kind of the whole way, it's like the Chiefs-Pats for me this week. I don't know what the hell to you know
1: do. I respect that though. Like you know, you you, you acknowledging you're wrong and you change. It yeah, on I'm the wrong. Fly. Don't stick to your
0: opinion. Yeah, don't always be married to everything. You know, like Kellerman with Brady. I yeah. too think Brady will get old. I too am amazed by this. You heard Teddy but- today, right? Well, yeah, but don't don't go on TV the Monday after. He absolutely lights it up, and I was wrong. I was 7-1 in playoff games, and the one I got wrong was the one I should never get wrong because I should just not pick against the Pats, even though I've done it twice, maybe three times in the playoffs. I was right with that Ravens romp at home. I was wrong with this Chargers one. I picked them against Denver in one of the losses that was broken up by the Seattle Super Bowl, and I picked against them in one of the other ones. And I think I wanted to pick Denver in both, and I didn't. And I got... I got one right, I got one wrong. Um, but yeah, Kellerman comes on on Monday and you just go, Oh, so the throws were open. Okay. Like you're never, like that's what I don't get about some of this TV stuff is that you can't ever, you can't ever say, Hey, like I swear to God, if like Cowherd's my guy, but he's a Brady LeBron guy. And if, if Brady broke into his house and stole a bunch of stuff, B- Cowherd would come on the radio the next day and be like, you know what? I can't really blame Tom and we're going to recycle the most of that stuff anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? We were talking about
1: this with Will today because Will's like, you know... Will does little, that too, by what, the way. Well, he's doing the sarcastic, like, what do I need to do to step it up to the next level to, like, have teams start tweeting about me? That's how, like, bad my takes are. And I was like, I don't know. Do you want to be in that? Do you want to be there? Yeah, I think you kind of want to. I think you kind of want to. I mean, look, it's a better career path. I know, but then everybody, everybody's only giving you attention because they think you're a clown.
0: That's not... That's yeah, not see, fun. that's the thing I never... You know, I could never do it. I could never do it. I mean, I would if I'm going to get something wrong and get roasted, that's fine. But I, I couldn't ever. Like, imagine. I'm trying to think. Like one of the hardest ones I ever had was Flacco after the Super Bowl on Monday, and Scott loved Flacco for whatever reason, and he's like, "Can you admit you were wrong?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> I didn't think I was wrong, but I didn't know what I didn't know what to do." So Will is openly rooting for this well no he
1: you know he's just like how do i get because the, the chiefs had like a cowherd game of thrones thing they tweeted out today and will's like how do i get like what do i have to do to get there and it's like you know you got to do and or you know and obviously the patriots did the whole kellerman first take video and we were talking about whether or not that's good or bad right for your obviously you're getting all this attention it's good um, yeah it's good yeah but i don't but I, my point to i wouldn't was, want it
0: I've never won. Yeah, it, my point to good. him was like, all right, yeah,
1: people know who you are, but it's only because they think
0: you're super wrong all the time. That yeah, can- but look at Cowherd. Like, Cowherd and I talked about the Sixers that whole year. Like, he saw my segment where I was like, oh, why is this team going to be good? Like, young teams that have never played together are always bad defensively, and then everybody has them in the playoffs, and then they win all those games. Now, they were 500, and I could have done the, well, they got Ilya, Ilyasov and Bellinelli, and that's why they went on this run. And they did go on a run, too, because the teams at the end of the regular season were were mailing it in. Like they won all of those late fools gold games, but my point was always my point ended up being the wrong point. Like I said they were going to stink and they were the 3 seed. So like ultimately I'm more wrong than I'm right even though there's a little bit. So I couldn't ever go on and be like, "Hey, well, they got Ursan er- Ilyasova and Bellinelli, so what I said was still accurate." No, they were fi- they were 500. They ended up being better. They win a playoff series against the Heat, and those guys are terrible against good teams at least last year in the Celtics playoff series where they just didn't execute well at the end of the regular or, um, end of regulation. It was something that carried over the regular season. If you watched them a lot, it still bothers me now with the Sixers. But if you look at the numbers, they're better. They're better than your eyes are telling you. Their efficiency late in games has been a lot better. Uh At least the last time I looked, it was like ten days ago, when I was looking at that stuff. And you know what's funny is I kind of gave into it, and Cowherd kept playing it up. And guess the Sixers send Cowherd a jersey. And, and cowherd, like, it then becomes this playful thing that's good for business. It's good for cowherd business. And I'm like going, yeah, I was wrong and being real sensible about it. And that wasn't good for business. No, there weren't no Rossillo Sixers jersey.
1: Yeah. Well, I was was joking (laughs) with Will because he, you know, obviously the cowherd Baker Mayfield thing, everybody knows about it. Um, and Will has been on Baker's side for a lot of this, and all Will got was a follow from Baker and a, and a DM that he never answered. Um, he got a follow from Baker. Yeah, so he's been supporting Baker. Baker followed him. Will DM'd him, and Baker never responded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's all he got. But you know, Coward, because he's been
1: you know the anti-Baker guy, gets all this attention. Baker goes on a show. He tweets at him all the time, and I'm like, man, like, I'll,
0: like Baker's just feeding. Feeding Cowherd what he wants. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing is is Cowherd with the Baker stuff and like some of it I understood, but some of it I thought was. It's always kind of my rule of making points. Like, are you going to make two good ones to make your point? You're going to make two good ones and six bad ones, and because you have eight, now you think you're you're doing a great job with this. Like, as soon as you make the third point that I think sucks, to me it's devalued the first two. And I'm, I'm not talking about him specifically. I'm just talking about it in general. And so when he and Baker went at it, like, that's a win. I mean, I know we talk a lot about the business, and it sounds like me having this unresolved – and sometimes it is unresolved about, like, how this business works, you know? And I have bigger theories on all this stuff, and I I think it it kind of emanated from certain producers that worked with First Take and then – some of those same guys went over to Fox and there's some real similarities where it's like you never give in. And it's almost like this Fox News, and I'll say even for CNN too because they got dudes on both sides, so I'm not trying to call out one or the other, where it's if you're this opinion person, you're supposed to just never give in no matter what. There's no gray area. It is I am all the the meter is all the way to one side on this opinion, and I will never waver for 10 or 15 years. And that's really weird because it's a lot of smart people that act that way who probably are far more malleable in life as they go through different things. So nobody nobody actually is like that. Nobody – like look, I'm, I'm sure there are some people politically. I'm sure there's a stubborn person in your family and all these different things. But I don't – I'm wrong about stuff all the time, okay? I'm talking all the like, – back to the radio show. But when I was just – there was no way out <laughs> – and and you're the battle of the bastards here right was that what it was called game of thrones yeah the greatest scene ever um sometimes you have to go you know what i'm i'm wrong about this and i would think the audience would like that more but i don't think the audience likes that more i think the audience likes the clown show i think they like going oh wow this person was wrong on friday all the things they said about this person totally were wrong I want to see how this person reacts on Monday. And television and radio, it's better to just not give in. It's less entertaining to go, hey, I was wrong, man. Brady's awesome. It's more entertaining to go, despite all the the walls crumbling around me, I still am right. And I think, you know, despite everybody bitching about it, I think it's what you actually want. You know, it's the same thing with Skip. For all the people that hate Skip, I think you needed Skip. I really do. (laughs) I don't like him, but I think you needed him, and I think you needed him. You needed a a punching bag every time LeBron did something good because you were going to be more entertained by him trying to spin it into some nonsensical defense of his original opinion that was completely wrong. Do I do too much of this analyzing the business stuff on the podcast? Let me know. Hit us up at, <laughs> at yeah, Ryan A. Hey, Rosillo. No, podcast. seriously. Hit me up and let me know because um, I think I do it too much, so – I don't even get into this. I don't even remember how we got down this wormhole. Yeah, I think I do it too much. Or maybe people really like it. I, I don't know. We're waiting on Windhorse. This is called... How far in are we right now? We're about, what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes in. That feels about right. All right, so let's do a read here. And I want you people to not fast forward through the read. I want you guys to love this read. You know what's in this holiday season? Continuing to buy gifts after the holiday season. That's right. And you know what else is in? Selfishness. So if you didn't get what you wanted... Or maybe, you know what's awesome? I just sent out a gift to somebody after the fact, and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. What's this for? And I said, it's called Christmas. Ever heard of it? So do this. Why buy an ugly sweater for a distant uncle when you can buy some awesome for yourself? Specifically, Bespoke Post's Box of Awesome. A box of awesome is my favorite way to treat myself every single month. You know what I just grabbed? was um I saw this thing at a restaurant where they put those massive ice cubes in this big copper guillotine and it's just this perfectly round ice cube if you're doing that when you're having people over specifically a little bit later that is a closer type move right there in business and in friendships just think of all the new friends that are going to like you when you use one of their awesome um they have these little drink kits you know what i mean you see them at the checkout counter that you bespoke post has awesome ones so get that going visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions that will help them determine the boxes that fit you best. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. The first of each month, you'll receive an email with your box details. If you're not feeling that month's box, then simply skip it. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars, weekender bags to classy dopp kits, Bespoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern man. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code RUSSILLO for 20% off your first box. Bespoke Post, themed boxes for guys that give a damn. Waiting on Windhorse, I want to ask him if he does like the nickname Windy McWinderson. I don't think he does. I
1: haven't heard that one.
0: No, I know he hates Windy and I know, hey, Windy, I know Greeny loves it. I didn't get to all the stuff I said I was going to get to, which I said was going to happen. So it's almost like that worked out. So MVP, we changed up the order there. Rookie of the year, Doncic. Coach of the year, I'm going Kenny Atkinson. Are you watching the Nets lately? I sent out a tweet a couple weeks ago. I'm a tastemaker when it comes to this stuff. I'm the first national guy to send out a Sacramento Kings tweet. Saying, hey, if you're not watching these guys, which you probably aren't, they're far more competitive, which means most improved. Who would you go with most improved? It's, it's hard this year. Actually, it's kind of easy, but it's deeper is how I should phrase yeah, it. Yeah. Everyone's right got Siakam, right? Everybody's going Siakam. It's De'Aaron Fox. Don't sleep on, uh, my boy T- Terrence Ross though. What's up? Consider me napping while you <laughs> said that. Okay. There's a lot of guys, uh, Harrell for the Clippers has been terrific. Sixth man this year is going to be argued strictly by the fan bases that only watch their guy because there are about seven or eight really good names to bring up. But De'Aaron is doing it for what has been a terrible – his own teammate Buddy Heald could win the damn thing. But if you watch the Kings, it's really the De'Aaron Fox show. So even though Pascal Siakam has really improved, even though some of his drives – I can't tell if I love the idea that he thinks he can put it on the floor and drive as much as he can even when it doesn't work because you don't want players to get into this development thing where they kind of – Nullify their own development where they decide early on, okay, you know what? I'm really not good enough to handle in traffic and I really should never drive. And then it's like, wait a minute. So now you've, you've cut your game in half. Like there's a half of your game I never have to prepare for. So Siaka makes some mistakes and maybe is a little too confident at times, but I love that he's doing that from somebody that didn't look like that was going to happen early on. But when he's still the fourth dude on that team most nights, um, cause Surge has been good again this year. I gotta go, De'Aaron, because night in and night out, like he's the one that kind of makes them go. So it's not a knock on Siakam. I'm just talking about strictly uh, who's who's being asked to do the most. Is that fair?
1: I, I definitely think that's fair. Um, something because Will's boys, obviously Luka Doncic. We were doing most this improved.
0: Game. He put him most improved. Too. Well, we
1: are well. No, we were doing this game. I forget it was off the air, I believe. Of like, Ooh, here we go, guys. You would trade like yes or no, Luka for this guy right now? Who says no? And Ben Simmons came up. Uh, and uh, I'd say no. You would you would you would rather have Doncic? Yeah,
0: I agree. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, Simmons around the league, it's incredible. When I talk to different teams, we're just bsing how uh, how often people are kind of off of him. Not saying he, you know, you wouldn't want him, but I think you'd be shocked by some of the teams that would say, you know what, we're good. We actually wouldn't trade you this guy for him which seems impossible a year ago. He's messed up, man. He's a hell of a talent, but uh it's so crazy how that works, too. Like, you know, it's he goes quick. from
1: the next LeBron yeah. and then now it's like, nah, "Nah, I don't want anything to do with him."
0: I I was even surprised by by some of the people that were so uh down on him that were just like, "You know what? I get it. I get all the things I'm supposed to like about him, but are you serious?" Like, I'd love to know what he and his brother work on in those shooting drills. Not shooting. Um, so what do we got there? Hey, I got a who says no for you. Okay. You can use this on the Will Cain show on Friday. How's it sound? Okay. Friday's probably going to be decent enough, though, because we're going to play us. We got Windhorse coming in here. We'll ask Wendy this one. It'll be the first Windy question we ask. Um, before I do that, real quick the zion thing the trevor lawrence deal i love how the people that have hated the football world because of the lack of safety have now decided they want high school guys to play in the nfl so they want trevor lawrence to go in you hate the ncaa so much and you hate football so much that you want the ncaa to be destroyed but now you want younger dudes to play a game that you've deemed unsafe this whole time